Ora and welcome. You're listening to the New Zealand Wine Podcast and I'm Boris Lamont. Thanks for joining us for this episode where we're speaking with Mary Zurakowski and her son Zenik on site at Archangel Wines in Queensbury, Central Otago, New Zealand. It's a great story of survival, endeavour and perseverance down through the generations and if you'd like to find out more you can look them up online archangelwines or one word .co.nz. But right now, let's go have a chat with Mary and Zenik. Here we are at Archangel in Queensbury, Central Otago, and I'm here with Mary and her son Zenik. Thank you for having us this morning. Well, you're welcome. It's a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for coming. So, Archangel, how did that all come about? Okay, well, Archangel's journey, I guess, began in 1940, and it's a story of hope, love, and survival, and it's certainly a story of destiny. Um, It begins with two young girls, um, aged 14 and 16, and they're forced out of of Poland, okay, by the Russians. What, um, What happens next is they begin this epic journey that takes them three years, and it sees them travel many continents through Russia, Persia, India, Africa, and finally to England. Now, when the girls are deported out of Poland, um, the first place they're sent to is a place called Arkhangelsk in northern Russia. We're looking at Siberia here. And they're sent there to hard labor camps where they spend about a year and a half. Arkhangelsk translates to Archangel. Right. Okay, eventually freed from these hard labor camps, the girls continue on a parallel journey. They haven't yet met, remember, okay? They end up in Africa in refugee camps. Time moves on. The girls are now 17 and 19. The war is still on in Europe. And the British Defense Forces come to Africa in search of volunteers for the war effort. The girls, they see this as an opportunity, they sign up, and they get sent to the same RAF camp in England, where they finally meet, and they become lifelong friends. Now, these two young girls just happen to be my mother and my husband's mother. Ah, right, okay. Okay, so Archangel is about a shared family history. Um, uh, I guess we've been left this legacy, um, uh, and it's uh, sort of from time's not so great in history. Um, So for us, um, it's all about honouring that mother's story. And even though um, our story began in a Siberian hard labour camp, we we like to think of ourselves as more of a a labour of love here in central Otago. So it's all about finding that sense of place through wine. Um, We've named two two of our wines um, after the mothers, um, both the Rieslings, the dry after my mother-in-law, the Stefania Riesling, and the sweeter Mm -hmm. one after my mother. Okay, there was no maliciousness in that, believe me. <laughs> What's There's a story what, what behind the that. Sweeter One's name? Uh, the Sweeter One is called Helena. Helena. Um, that name, Helena, me, um, translates to sunray. And when you think of sunray or sunshine in the vines, um, you start to think of the sugars building up. So, an obvious sort of uh, name to sort of to wine. Um, but uh, as I tell everybody that comes here for a, a glass of uh, the Helena Riesling, if I think uh, if my mother 
was uh, present um, and I gave her the driest style, the Stefania Riesling. She would no doubt have turned her nose up and she would have actually been asking for the sugar bowl. Um, so she definitely had the sweeter palate of the two ladies and not necessarily the sweeter nature at times. So there you go. Great. And so, um, so you were raised in the UK then? So I was raised in the UK. So um, yeah, I'm a, a Yorkshire Polish Kiwi, mm-hmm. um, and um, you know, we sp- I spent most of well all my my youth in the UK. But I guess how we got to New Zealand, um, you know, I, I guess is it the, um, the the gypsy blood? I'm not quite sure. The the adventurer in us. But my husband's family. They actually emigrated to New Zealand when he was about 12 years of age, and they settled in Dunedin. So maybe they could be classed as the last of the 10-pound poms. Um, so Central Otago was a place that um, you know was on his doorstep and, and a place he used to enjoy visiting, hunting, fishing, like most young men like to do. Um, but fast forward, he's now in his uh, early 20s and decides to go back to the UK on his big OE. Um, he has family and friends there. There's a, a bit of a reunion. He's there in his early 20s. I'm in my late teens. And uh, I guess, well, the rest is history. Ah, um, nice. We connect and we begin a family. But we come out to New Zealand uh, not for wine, but we, we come out for oil. And um, so that's what actually brought us to New Zealand. Um, yeah, the wine business came a lot later on in life. Right, okay. So, so one of you worked in the, in the oil industry to come out to New Zealand for that? Yep. Yes, yes. Yep. So, so his background is sort of more engineering, oil. Um, my background is art and design, so mm-hmm. quite diverse. Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess the, the, the two combined um, bring certain skills to, to what we do today. Yeah, sure. Well, it's a lovely space you've got here, so you can Thank see that influence for sure. Thank you. Yeah. And so whereabouts did you land when you both came back to, well, to New Zealand? So we, we came to New Plymouth. Um, so New Plymouth um, is a sort of, I guess, uh, the, the hub for the, the oil industry, you know, in the Southern Hemisphere. And we spent 26, seven years up in New Plymouth. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that was, you know, a big part of our, big chunk of our lives was spent up there. Right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so children, had children then when you were in New Plymouth? So we had two, our first two were born in the UK. Um, Zenek, who's with us today, was, uh, I guess he's the only true Kiwi out of all of us. Uh, He was born in New Plymouth and uh, yeah. Right. And so where did the the wine interest start? How did that come about? Well, we enjoy drinking it, and that's mm. about you know the the our our knowledge base kind of stopped there. Um, we always had this romantic sort of vision of uh, owning a uh, a vineyard. We thought it would um, offer us well. My husband reckoned it would offer us a great lifestyle. Um, uh, I think I remind him every day about that uh, life or ask him where that lifestyle is. But yeah, maybe it was a midlife crisis. I'm not quite sure. But we we got to a point in our lives where we just wanted to to look to the future and and look to do something together and something that we, you know, we, we could sort of hand down to the children. And I guess there was a sort of a bit of a romanticism about that. We did come into this 
whole business with rose-tinted glasses. Um, we had no knowledge, uh, apart from the fact that we, we knew that we liked certain, certain high-quality wines. So, yeah, it was a big gamble that we took. But in saying that, uh, we surrounded ourselves with um, the best people we possibly could and allowed them to guide us. So did you, did you look at doing a few different things? Did you like, say, okay, we wanted to do something together and do something different and w- what can we do? Or did wine come up pretty quickly? As a, I think wine was always there. I yeah. think, you know, we just loved, you know, we used to go to the Hawke's Bay and, you know, we used to enjoy just wandering around the vineyard. So, yeah, I, I think it was really just about the lifestyle more than, mm. you know, we... I think if we knew then what we know now, would we have done this? Um uh, I, I'm not sure we would have done. Because no, it's often not the case. It's better not to know, <laughs> is it, the, the effort that's, um, that's required to get something through to, yes. to, through to fruition. And how about down in this part of the country? Did you start looking in, in Hawke's Bay? Or so we, we started off in the Hawke's Bay, and again, um, we were doing it for all the wrong reasons. We would see a church on a vineyard and think, well, well, that would be a cool place to live in. So it was all <laughs> a little bit roundabout, and it was a bit crazy. But when we came down here, um, we, we started to look a little bit more seriously, and we knew there was land, you know, there were there were pockets of land available, but we had no idea which part of central Otago. So we actually went knocking on Felton Road's door. Um, and uh, at the time, Nigel Greening had just taken over Felton Road. And we so asked, when, when are we talking? How long we're looking at this? now 2001. Okay. Mm-hmm. So... And uh, Nigel had just recently had taken over the realm of, um, he just purchased Felton Road. And, and we asked Nigel if he could help us. And um, it was either going to be a yes or no answer. And of course, Nigel had been a very affable um, gentleman, said yes. And so uh, he and the team at sort of Felton Road um, helped point us in the right direction. Um, they, they, they took on, you know, sort of, you know, without sort of, you know, as prompting, um, they they sort of suggested all they they chose all our clones for the for the property. So everything that we have planted here is the result of or the sort of suggestions of Felton Road, wow. which we're forever grateful for. Yeah, well, that's and some great guidance to have. Absolutely, isn't it? Yeah. absolutely. So yeah, we we'll never forget that. No, that's fantastic. And the location here, how did you? come to be here in Queensbury. Okay. Uh, again, Nigel had sort of, mm-hmm. you know, had kind of uh, given us the heads up here. And so we came. Um, we loved the, the just the aspect of the place mm. and um, its locality. It's, it's midway between um, Wanaka and uh, Cromwell. So we sort of probably a little bit closer to Wanaka. And, and I think we had that vision of, you know, sort of where Wanaka was going to go and you know, that was, like I say, a number of years ago now. Mm. And Wanaka today has um, probably grown two to threefold. So, mm. and it's still growing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's quite exciting times. Yeah. Yeah. So 2001 was when you first planted? So 2003 was when we first planted. Yep. And um, so, yeah, we, we planted initially with, um, you know, the whole vineyard in Pinot Noir. Um, we, um, again, sort of, like I said, naivety um, has cost us dearly. 
Um, and, you know, I think in that first vintage, because we didn't have any frost fighting set up really, we probably lost about half our vineyard. Yeah. And uh, But there you go, that's spirit and determination that we sort of uh, were handed down by our parents. We could have opted out then because it was quite, it was very depressing and very mm. stressful mm. but um we you know we moved forward and decided well why have we got all our eggs into one basket you know why all pinot noir so that's when we began to plant some of the white varieties mm-hmm. um we took our first vintage in 2008 um and it was not the greatest of timing here we were with the, you know we, it was going to come out in 2009 global recession and uh, here we were with our first wine, no market, new brand, you know, not the greatest of timing. But like I said, we got the experts around us and um, our very first vintage was also our very first gold at the Air New Zealand Wine Awards. And uh, so well, it's, uh, it's, it's quite an achievement. It certainly put us on the map. Yes. It got people turning their heads. It opened Sorry, was up. it for the Pinot Noir? So that was for yep. our Pinot Noir, yep. yes. Yep. Yeah. And so you had... Uh, Riesling back then as well. So we are, yeah. So our Riesling came out um, in two thousand and nine, and we also planted some Pinot Gris and some Chardonnay. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's Mm. um, you know we sort of, uh, and we knew that always that we'd sort of open up eventually a cellar door, which would become a destination. And we really realized at that point that um, we couldn't just have a Pinot Noir to offer. So we needed to bring in some some white varieties. Yep. Yep. And also give you a bit of diversity. For, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So that that must have uh, been very rewarding then to get a, a, an award for your very first release. Well, it was. Yeah, I think that the awards, you know, the award is great. Mm. And it opened doors it got us noticed it you know it got people talking but the most exciting part of that first award was that it actually showed the potential of the site it showed us that we could grow some great Mm. wine on this property and or produce some great wine and um and it's been you know since that 2008 it's been um you know a string of awards and good accolades and but it's you know like i said th- those awards are great it's all about making sure that we do everything in the vineyard to the the best we possibly can and uh, and you know in the end that'll we'll be rewarded for that yeah yeah, and so you are, are very much involved in the process the whole way through in the viticulture and. Uh, well, um, I have no sort of no. background mm. in in uh, you know I have an art and design background and uh, but I do give myself poetic license to call myself the winemaker, the viticultural person because you know I'm I'm they're my babies. Yeah. I, I sort of kind of grow and and watch. But we're a team here, mm. and we have the experts that help us we have mm-hmm. the winemaker we have the viticultural team and together we sort of make decisions mm. so yeah mm. it's um i'm i'm basically i i just follow um follow people around and yeah. um yeah but Being i've learned you know there's no better yeah. there's no better way of learning but through the experience mm. of what we do here mm. 
Mm. And so um, how big is the location here? The property is 11 hectares right, okay. um, in vines. Mm. So 70% of um, the, the vineyard is uh, dedicated to Pinot Noir and the rest is made up of small pockets. Mm. Um, but the whole property is 23 hectares. So we still have, you know, land to develop, which, uh, you know, it. we didn't want to do the whole property initially because we knew that we needed to see what would do well and what clones would do well before we planted everything out. So it was kind of strategic in, in what yep. we, we did. Yep. And so there are there um, places, you know, spots around the the property that you've, you're thinking, oh, okay, maybe we can put something in here. This might be a good spot for this. Yes. So, um, you know, one one piece of advice that Nigel gave us is always sort of look at it as being a bit of an experiment. So, you know, we, we put down certain clones, we put down certain rootstock and, you know, we've been monitoring that and we see that actually there is a, a difference between, you know, you might have the same clone, but on different rootstock. Yep. And I mean, the property has got, um, you know, you know, there's not a lot of variability in the soil types, but um, you do see differences through that rootstock. So, we, you know, there there are areas in the vineyard that we know, you know, we'll sort of probably put in some more Chardonnay, and I think it's you know we're driven as well these days a little bit more by market as well as to mm-hmm. what we might plant out mm. rather mm. than just go out there and just plant out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah something. more Pinot Noir just for the sake of Pinot Noir. So just on that, are you seeing um, a growth in any particular varietal that that you think, oh, okay, well, here's something that's maybe worth putting some... Yes, well, I'll, I'll pass over to Zenek because okay. Zenek sort of um, has probably got a, a much um, better kind of grasp yeah. on this. Good, good. Yeah, I'd say with the, um, the Chardonnay and the Riesling that we're producing from this site, you're seeing, um, well, we're... we're personally seeing a lot of growth in our brand through the sort of white varietals down here in central Otago and in particular the Chardonnay we we just can't produce enough of it at the moment and as far as I'm aware having talked to people sort of in the industry down here in central Otago um, there are a lot of plantings of Chardonnay going in over the course of the next few years. It's almost seems to be making a bit of a comeback because you know 10 years ago it was probably quite a big thing I don't know particularly around here but certainly just in the general market Chardonnay was um, probably seems to be had a little bit of a dip just in popularity and seems to be coming back a bit back a bit now yeah it definitely is it's becoming sort of the in vogue thing again mm. and I think central Otago is in a sort of unique position um, with the central Otago Chardonnays that we produce because you get sort of the the best of both worlds we're a cool cool climate down here um, so the acidity and the grapes is always at the, the forefront particularly on our site uh, the acidity in the Chardonnay can be sometimes problematic uh, when it comes to actually making the wine mm-hmm. but what you get uh, for us in particular after I guess aging it in, in oak for sort of nine months is a really balanced, kind of refined and elegant style of Chardonnay. You're, you're capturing some of that sort of nice oaky characteristics, uh, the butteriness sort of in all the notes that you'd associate maybe with a Hawke's Bay Chardonnay, but you're also getting that freshness, that liveliness, that acidity, um, which I think makes 
the Chardonnay is down here, really quite unique. Right, right, okay. And just on that, with the the soil type through here, what what is it? What's it? Um, what's it like? Okay, so we're we're basically uh, on sort of the edge of a glacial moraine or glacial mm-hmm. outwash here. Um, so about twenty three thousand years ago uh, is where this particular glacial outwash formed. Uh, so it's really sort of free draining, uh, kind of lots of mineral rich schists, uh, broken gravels. Uh, so very low water retention. Um, so it is kind of ideal grape growing mm. conditions yeah. right yep and and is the property from looking out from here it all looks uh, quite flat what we can see is it all pretty much flat your property or do you have some so so we've got kind of two terraces uh so on the top terrace here you can sort of see about eight hectares of the plantings uh, and then on the lower terrace which is uh, only about 10 to 15 metre drop in elevation down towards the Clutha River. Um, we've got sort of our Riesling and some of our younger Pinot Noir okay. vines planted. Yep. Uh, we've kind of always speculated that some of our, our best growing conditions are on that bottom terrace, which is, I guess, where we have uh, a fair bit more plantings to go as well, which is always nice to have some of your, your best conditions for last. And it is slightly less uh, frost prone and sort of slightly more protected from the wind at that lower elevation right, as well. Right. Okay. Okay. And um, so obviously, Zenit, you're you're involved in the in the in the business. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whether it's sort of through choice or uh, circumstance, I, I don't know. But um, more more recently, I've become involved. I guess um, my my background is geology. Uh, so I was over and I studied at Otago University, mm-hmm. uh, sort of 2005 to 2008, and then um, took myself off uh, on a year to, to Africa. Uh, just, uh, I don't know whether it was one of those things where you go and find yourself or uh, kind of just an excuse to travel before getting into the real working world. And, and my first sort of exposure to, to wine, other than kind of being surrounded by it growing up once mum and dad decided to maybe somewhat foolishly buy, buy a plot of land in central Otago. So um, how, old, how old were you? Uh, I would have here? been uh, 13, 14 okay. when we were coming. So I'd come down on trips uh, to central from New Plymouth with right. them uh, when they were looking yep. you know, at land and travelled everywhere from Gibston to Cromwell Basin to Alexandra yep. at Wanaka looking for this bit of land. And I think when they settled on Queensbury, it was one of those kind of special days in central Otago where there's not a breath of wind and yeah. everything seems right, which yeah. is up in Queensbury. So you can remember that day? Yeah, yeah, I can, I can remember um, kind of coming out here and you know seeing the place and before it had any vines on it and you kind of look around now at the, the area. Um, there was, I think, one little farmer's cottage up here back 16 years ago and now it's a thriving little mm. community on its own in mm. Queensbury and there's... Uh, by all accounts, more sort of vineyards going in in the the next few years mm. as well. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay. And and so back then, did you think maybe you would um, want to get get into the the uh, wine industry, or was? Uh, no, no, I was very naive about it all. Um, I kind of saw it as mum and dad's little retirement hobby, right. uh, not properly realizing that kind of scale of things that they were about to take on. Yeah. And it wasn't until. I sort of returned from the mines. Well, actually, no, going back, um, so after my year abroad, the, I kind of came, came back from Kenya, and the night I landed in New Zealand in 2009 was the night of the Air New Zealand Wine Awards dinner, um, which was where our first vintage of Pinot Noir ah, had won the gold right. medal. Uh, so Good I'd gone timing. from, yeah, one extreme sort of, you know, unkempt, unshaven, uh, coming back into 
kind of putting on a black tux and going to the those wine awards and again I was very naive about it all I didn't sort of realize I guess the enormity of what uh, the team had achieved in such little time um, and then yeah it wasn't until uh, probably three or four years ago where the interest in wine and viticulture really peaked for me yeah right okay and so what made you study geology what, what? Um, it's one of those things where I guess you're 18 finishing high school and you don't quite know what you want to do um, my brother had studied geology at Otago uh, dad I was obviously was in the oil and gas industry for 45 years, so there was definitely something there in yeah. the blood. Um, yeah. And then there was also the interest. Um, I guess, you know, history is captured within the earth, uh, going back billions of years. And fortunately, now, today, being involved in wine and geology has some good links there. Yeah, um, well, especially in this part of the country. It's, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. When you're, when you're up on the... Um, you know, on the surrounding hills here, you can almost see it, can't you? Where the glaciers have come through, and yeah, definitely, it gives it gives you a better understanding of how things work, mm. um, and you know, kind of, I guess, sub-regional differences going from here to the sort of other five or six sub-regions in mm. central Otago. So it, it does make it quite interesting, and you can see the impact that it does have on the on the wines as well. So, so you came back from Kenya, went to the wine awards, saw that your mum and dad had done something quite 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 well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> quite significant. And did you start start then back on the winery? Yeah, so I guess that was where the sort of first um, seeds were planted, mm. uh, so to speak. And and then that was the time of the sort of mining boom over in Western Australia um, with my geology background. Right. I thought, get over there and try and sort of make hay while the sun shines a mm. little bit. Um, so I went and did my thing over there for five and a half years and um, I guess – would always have some sort of, I guess, interest in wine while I was over there. Um, you know, constantly being updated um, on what was going on on the vineyard, drinking lots of wine. Um, and then, yeah, I decided five years in the mining industry was sort of enough time. And I think by that stage, my interest in wine had grown yeah. uh, quite significantly. And I thought, well, I've got this opportunity Mm. with the family business um, where I can come actually get involved and, and get hands-on with everything and yeah, learn as much as possible about it. Oh, fantastic. That's good. And how's that going? Yeah, it's, it's good. Um, so basically trying to get involved with every aspect of it from kind of you know learning from the viticultural side of things to actually doing a harvest in the winery as well. So with our sort of head winemaker, Pete Bartle, uh, down in Cromwell, um, and I guess the good thing, being in, involved in Central Otago wine, is that you're never far from wisdom or expertise. And, you, you know, you spend a couple of hours talking to someone who's been involved in the industry and, and you try and soak up as much as possible. So like mum said, uh, learning through experience yep. is is probably the best way that we learn. Um, yep. It's something you... You pick up in, in talking to people in the industry around here that it's very um, uh, community, uh, collaborative. People are prepared, happy to share their experience and help out. And yeah, definitely, there's a real sense of community. Um, 
Central Otago as a, a brand um, and it's in everyone's best interests to see each other succeed and do well um, and with that there's that real open door sort of policy um, you know most people have each other's phone numbers and you know when you know when you're frost fighting everyone else is frost fighting you're all in it together yeah. um, and it is a real sort of collective community that groups together quite well and I think the beauty of it is that every single kind of winery and person down here offers something unique and different in their own perspective on things mm. which is quite cool mm. Mm. Okay, and um, you know we've heard that you're probably thinking of uh, doing some more planting. Is in the same varietals, or is there something that's you've seen recently that's piqued your interest? That's a little bit more um, obscure or uh, uncommon. Um, kind of definitely looking towards more Chardonnay. Mm. Um, I think that's what we're seeing is is growing. Um, and saying that though even the Rieslings now and the, everyone's been talking about for a long time oh, Riesling will have its day back in the spotlight and personally I've sort of started seeing that over the past year um, that with I guess you know the restaurant scene and the food scene evolving quite rapidly in New Zealand you're having these kind of influential figures these chefs um, who are doing wine and food matching dinners and aromatics that go very well with a whole host of different foods so yep. Riesling is another one that could potentially be on the cards to plant more we've got a heck deer at the moment we always thought that was far too much um, but over the last year it's looking like it might not be enough but yeah going back to the original question Chardonnay is where it's at we kind of yeah. like to stick with the, the core varieties that do mm. do well here in mm. central mm. yeah mm. okay very good and um so we're coming to the, uh, the the question, and perhaps we go back to you, Mary, just um, to finish on. Uh, if you could have a, a glass of wine with uh, anyone, living or dead, or not yet existing, uh, what would the wine be, and, and who would you like to share that with? Well, I think it would be the Helena Rieslin with my mother. Um, you know, okay. she's uh, she was a hard working, you know, she loved the land um, and I think uh, she certainly inspired not only me but um, the rest of the family. She was uh, quite a character and uh, I think, you know, she she would really sort of be, well, she'd be smiling. I know that she'd be smiling down on what we're doing. Um, she'd uh, certainly tell, put us in our place if she saw us doing silly things. But uh, <laughs> certainly with that glass of wine, I think um, she would, yeah, it would be a big kick for her. And it mm. certainly, you know, would uh, would be wonderful to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah. Sitting yeah. here on a, on a uh, late summer's evening. And on a late summer's evening, yeah. yes, definitely. What better place to be. No, lovely. Very good. And Zenek, how about you? Who would... Um, who would you be having a glass with and what would that be? <laughs> I hadn't really had a thought of that. Um, I'd, by choice uh, and by my own choice, have to say my fiance. Uh, so <laughs> <Yeah>. I enjoy, <laughs> uh, she's not standing here, so that's, uh, <laughs> but hopefully she'll listen to this later on <laughs> yeah. and it'll get me some brownie points, but no, who I enjoy spending most of my time with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And do you, do you know what wine? Would it be sort of something from here or if, is, is there something that you've, you've had? Um, a glass of our... Rosé probably, uh, it's something that we've both really enjoyed, it's our mm. brand new sort of rosé and it's okay. um, yeah, probably likewise a late summer's evening um, with yeah, a glass yeah. of rosé and 
not a care in the world. Yeah. That'd be ideal. Well, in a, in, a, in a beautiful spot like this, it's pretty hard to beat, isn't it? Yeah. 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 No, it's, uh, it's a pretty uh, stunning slice of paradise we've got here, that's for sure. Absolutely. Well, Mary and Zenek, thank you both very much. It's been fantastic. It's been lovely yeah. being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks very much. It's been our pleasure. Fantastic. We've been speaking with mother and son Mary and Zenek Zurikowski from Archangel Wines in Queensbury, Central Otago, New Zealand. If you'd like to find out more about Archangel, you can look them up, archangelwines.co.nz. And also be sure to check out some of the other great New Zealand wine podcasts where we talk with others that have been involved in the New Zealand wine industry. Also, check us out online, either on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook. And we look forward to your company again very shortly. Thanks for listening in. He kōna mai. Bye for now.